Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Now, you all didn't know the old me, that for 40 years, Darren, I was a kamikaze. The fact that I'm alive is a miracle. How about that? I've ridden steers, jumped off cliffs, been shot and been shot at, and I survived it all. This is the Rod Peterson Show. Hey, it absolutely is. Hello, Canada and Canadian sports fans around the world, especially our friends in the United States. Welcome to the RP Show. It's hour two. We're emanating from the Great Eagle Resort and Casino, Calgary's entertainment destination. It's been a very fun show. We've covered a lot of things. If you uh, read or listened to my commentary today on Cat Country 98 and Rock 98.5, I said, uh, John Denver sang, some days are diamonds, some days are stones. And Tuesday was a diamond. Some great Stanley Cup playoff games. The CFL draft was awesome. We know the SJHL finals going to a game seven. I'm saying it's perfect. More hockey. That was all in hour one. We're going to cover those topics and more. Uh, Mark Steven coming up, the longtime voice of the Calgary Stampeders. Calgary sports fixture to talk about Stanley Cup playoffs, CFL draft, all of that. And I just want to throw this out before we move to our first guest in hour two. Our poll question today for Capital Automall Universal Collision Center is, which of these three teams are in the most trouble down 0-1 in round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs? The Edmonton Oilers, Tampa Bay Lightning, or Florida Panthers? There are five other teams down 0-1, but I didn't think any of these three would be down 0-1. And the poll results are saying the Oilers are in the most trouble, and they host the LA Kings tonight. And as we sit here right now, they have not named their starting goaltender yet, for game two. Apparently they've told their goalies, but they're not telling the world. So lots to get with Mark. But Dove Gibson, I'm excited about this interview. I love these stories. Dove Gibson, a big enough deal. Let's bring him in. He has his own Wikipedia page. Did you know that, Dove? <laughs> I've been told, yes. How does it feel to be known, to me anyways, and I think the world, as the oldest Canadian gold medal winning athlete in history? Have well, you been I surpassed? I, I've been, I was at one moment in time, I was the oldest Canadian gold medalist, but right. there was a curler, that same Torino Olympics, who was 10 years older than me. Russ so they're Howard? counting that? Okay. Yeah. But I was, my claim to fame was Winter Olympics, individual sport gold medalist sure. of all Olympics. So, Skeleton racer, by the way, from Vaughan, Ontario. And <laughs> That's where I was born anyway. Well, what? Again, Wikipedia strikes. <laughs> Where do you say you're from? Calgary. You do, huh? I was born and raised in Toronto, but I've I lived here longer. I came here to go to the University of Calgary and married a Calgary girl. I work for the city of Calgary, so I'm pretty much Calgary. And you're buddies with my guy, Lee, like longtime buddies or what? Long time. Well, there's a connection with Bobsleigh uh, Canada Skeleton where I think that's where Lee, I first met Lee, was brought in as a board member, I, I think, originally. Mm-hmm. So this is the story with Duff Gibson. You just heard it. So it's not hard to look up. Okay, in Turin in 06, he wins the gold in Skeleton, surpassing Al McGinnis. 
another Calgary icon, right? Yeah. As the oldest Canadian to win gold at the Olympics. I think that's fantastic. So we're going to get into some Olympic stories here. And Do you have another sport besides skeleton that you're following? Are you hockey? You're Canadian. You must be a hockey fan. I am, and I... As I mentioned, I grew up in Toronto, so you're saying yesterday was a diamond, but the Jays lost. I did not appreciate how that went down with uh, the calls. With the calls, I, I know. Would, I mean, that was so clearly, you know, in the. <laughs> it's We're tough. Barely, should be, yeah. yeah. You should be, if you can't prove that he wasn't out at first, you know, you have to go with what the umpire on the field decided, right? I understand that. You, there's not enough information to overturn the call. I think it was pretty obvious that he was safe. There just wasn't an, you know, an overhead view saying that he was safe. So they lose the challenge, and then obviously that cost them. That cost them two runs in the same inning. In the same inning. Yes. Well, that that cost them two outs. Therefore, it would have been what one run. It would have been right. And the Jays got clubbed nine-one by the Yankees. That's what he's talking about. But Vladdy was the guy victimized twice. Yeah. Yeah. And I just honestly, Duff, if I may, if there was no replay at all. Say we were 10 years ago and they weren't using it. Yeah. Do you think that play at first base would have been called safer out? That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I don't know. We wouldn't have been worried about it beyond right. that moment. Exactly. But there's, there are definitely limitations to you. I know this is, this is it's a fine. completely different direction. It's what we do here. It's what we, but this is the view for sports fans. Is it? That's okay. Yeah. So here's my, here's my beef relating to the, the video replay. If someone steals second, makes it by a half a second, stands up and pivots on that foot. And there's an HD camera showing, oh, a cleat separated from the base by a millimeter, so he's out. That's not what it was attended for. And that's nonsense as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's the, way, that's the road we're going down. You know that, right? I suppose. Just like I... offsides in hockey by this sliver. Oh, goals called off because he was offside by yeah. an eighth of an inch. Yeah, but at least, so. at least that one comes back to there is an actual rule. You're offside or you're not, you know? Um, I don't think if someone shifts their weight on a base, that's never what that was intended to be, I don't think. Right. Yeah, it's blowing my mind too. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> expecting to talk about this, which, no, was, which was fun. And I opened the show saying this, and I'll say it again now. Last night at the Saddle Dome, I thanked the Flames. They came up, the PR staff, and said, Rod, we wanted to get you in here to experience this. And I'm like, wow, that was, thank you. And it was this. It was immense last night in the Saddle Dome. Flames won one nothing to go up one nothing. But some hockey scouts came up to me and said, hey, what are you doing now? And I said, I have this show. And they, they blew their mind. And they said, uh, I said, what's your, what's your cable package? And they said, it's TELUS. I said, you get it. You, it's available to you on TELUS Optic TV Channel 924, Alberta, BC, on Game Plus Television. So tell your friends, spread the word. Back on point. Dove Gibson, Olympic gold medalist. Never gets old, eh? I bet. No. <laughs> I no. don't think it does. <laughs> so I'm yeah, I have friends who say, Oh, if that was me, I'd wear it around every day. It doesn't it never that it, it never gets it, it has it's exciting. I'm happy to have that on my resume, but at the same time I have also an experience that my life didn't change at all having won a gold medal. Fair. So it's you see it from two different sides, I think. Good friend of mine who's in Calgary now, Benny Hebert, won a gold in the 2010 Whistler. Very heavy metal, like this, my mic stand size heavy, and he yeah. wore it around for a very long time. When did you <laughs> stop wearing it around? When did you stop carrying it around? Um, 
I, mo most of my displaying of the medal has been handing it to kids. Cool. So, or my kids' friends are going to my kids' school or, or what have you. And there are moments when it's pretty obvious that I don't need to be there. So I'm letting the medal, I'm still happy to share it and have people enjoy it as long as no one bites it. Because there's a Simon Whitfield. It used to this. be a thing, yeah. Yeah, it used to be a thing. Um, and Simon Whitfield has teeth marks in his gold from Sydney in 2000. And they're not his, and he has no idea where they came from. So that's sort of my one stipulation. Don't bite it. Please don't bite it. Because you know somebody would, yeah. Yeah. So there's your, th this is what he does. Skeleton racer and author now, which is a hell of a feeling. I've written three. Congratulations, by Thank the way. You. What is the Tao of sport about? Well, it's... In, in Sochi in 2014, that was my last coaching job. And prior to that was, in essence, 30 years of being obsessed with Olympic sport and then not having any contact with it, any direct involvement with high performance sport. I lived, Calgary is truly one of the world's, not just Canadian, but a world's hotbed of Olympic sport. And the Clara Hughes and the Haley Wickenheisers and the Jeremy Witherspoons and the Kyle Schufelts, they're all Calgary people and there was it was truly a hub it was truly i had teammates and conversations and friendships with some incredible athletes and there was a common mindset of it and i wanted to pass it along get it down somewhere and share that wisdom because there is definitely a common way of thinking about high performance sport that's my experience anyway so it's sharing that information wow i'm just letting you speak because i'm somewhat in awe and our viewers that watch every day i don't say that very often i'm very impressed <laughs> and now you say it was a hub it still is a hub yeah right yeah haley wickenheiser shonovan saskatchewan katriana lamaydone saskatoon saskatchewan uh ben hebert of course regina saskatchewan so as you know the imprint of that province here is immense what would you sum up that mindset in a couple sentences? Obviously, you did a book on it, but what's the theme? Yeah. What's the concept? I would say there, one of the themes is that it comes from a love of the game. It, it comes from being obsessed with what you do, not someone yelling at you to be obsessed or to try harder. Uh, we think of mental toughness as being this cliche. It's uh, myself. I'm used. You mentioned already how I was the oldest you know, a gold medalist at one point at 39, and people say, what a tremendous story of perseverance. It's not perseverance if you loved every minute of it. And that's a common, that's absolutely a common theme. And another aspect to it, and why the first chapter is about foundations, is because after the fact, looking back, and this is, this is a generational thing, and you probably had a very similar uh, experience to I did, as I did growing up, which was, you're playing street hockey for hours. Your parents said, come home when the street lights come on. You were off in trouble for not getting home on time. In other words, we played for hours and hours and hours for no external reward, no extrinsic reward. It was intrinsic. We did it because we loved it. We were late coming home. We got in trouble because we were doing what we loved to do. And we would have arguments as to, you know, growing up in Toronto it was who got to be the Leafs. And then if you weren't the Leafs, then you were the Oilers. And, you know, that was just, or, or the Islanders, depending, you know, that's But nobody would ever the be time. the Habs because you hated them. We hated the Habs. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, this makes me think of uh, uh, Guy Lafleur just yes. passing. But it's also. We didn't hate him. A tr we didn't hate him. We did not hate him. <laughs> yeah. And we had a, you know, and I think of Tretiak, 
Tretiak and Lafleur. The original Vladdy. Yeah. <laughs> and how there was a respect. There was an, they were these awesome figures. And we pretended we were them because that was part of the fun. And that was a tremendous, from a mental uh, development standpoint, and I say this, you know, in hindsight looking back, it was a tremendous foundation for high performance sport because I was never, it never became a job. And there's all this research now showing that the earlier you specialize, the more likely you are when you stop playing whatever sport it is to never do it again. And to lead, there's actually data saying you're more likely to lead a sedentary lifestyle if you were an early specializer in what your sport was because it became a job. And for me, it was never anything other than something that I love to do. And yet, exactly the opposite's happening. And the opposite is happening, yeah. And it's largely financially driven, I would say. Um, I have a 15-year-old who is a AAA bantam hockey player, and I think the greatest thing that my wife and I have done for him to this point is prevent him from playing hockey all year round until now. And so athletically, he stands out from his teammates. And that's why he got on uh, the team that he made and you see kids there who are unbelievably skilled but don't have the athletic side and as I say in the book you're gonna get to a point where the skill evens out um, but you can't hide a lack of athleticism and you can work on skill you know once you're 15 you can start putting in more and more hours in terms of the skill and it'll just get better and better and better and we're misled I think sometimes you know who's the best six-year-old hockey player the kid who started when he was two so if you can go through pylons when you're six and you're competing against people who are literally just learning to skate then you're gonna score a lot of goals every game and what it means to have fun might be something different from you and that's gonna change the best player players in the world don't score a goal a game let alone uh, a hat trick every game so that's, in terms of the psychology of it, that's very relevant. Yeah. So how do you get to these parents? Because I talk to them all the time, and I'm at these academies in the States, and I see these kids. I'm sure you've heard of IMG Academy in Bradenton, and I, maybe you haven't. But it's, a, it's 640 acres of land. They have golf, tennis, baseball, swim, everything but hockey, actually. And mm. I see these. The, the, the grounds are so huge. The kids travel on a tram and I, from <laughs> building to building to building. Yeah. And it's, it's big. And... Uh, I just look in their eyes and their eyes are dead. These are high school age kids. It's one sport, it's their whole life. They well, hate their lives. You know, it's someone, Some I don't know, I don't, I don't have any experience with soccer at all, but they say it's the same as hockey. And I know hockey is, you have people who would tell you that hockey is such a high skill sport that you have to do this many hours every week, all year round. And there's just too many examples of the opposite. And I look at, football there's a there's a great video of um peyton manning uh who some would argue is in a skill position is is an all-time great in his position maybe not number one but one of the all-time greats in a skill position in the sport of football and his his thing was you know our receivers they were the outfield because we all played baseball as well it was football in the fall it was baseball in the spring we did basketball in the winter and that makes you a better athlete and uh you know sutter's brother is it Brent Sutter who's in uh, Red Deer in Red Deer yeah. you know there was that article a couple years ago where he said you can tell the difference for the people who only played hockey and the ones who played every sport and the difference is well it's 
the, the research would say there's a lot of difference in terms of injury uh, prevalence, but he would say the difference is athleticism, how you handle a novel environment. And one of the best examples that someone sent me a video was Steve Stamkos. And there was, I think it was playing Atlanta Thrashers while they were still around and, and the uh, someone did a shot and the puck went straight up in the air and Stamkos skated around the net, watched the puck, he's just looking up and he chokes up on a stick and hits the puck through a very narrow gap in a motion that was in essence a bunt in baseball. And the point of that and is- That's what Sutter's saying, same thing. Like it's yeah. a kinetic- it's a, it's a novel thing. environment. Yeah. It's, it's, the point is you would never, ever, ever practice that in a hockey environment. And some people are going to be better at that and some are going to be worse. So what's the difference? It's you've played baseball, you've run track, you've done volleyball or whatever it is. You have a better, you have a roundedness that makes you less susceptible to injury and you have, you're better in a novel environment that you would never practice in a hockey environment or a soccer environment or whatever it is. So there's, there's undeniable research relating to the injury, to the burnout, that's, that's key. But if you can handle playing hockey 12 months of the year as some kids are begging you to do, you know, you don't burn out until you do and then it's too late, right? But the athletic aspect to it is what makes the difference. And that was Brent, you know, if you don't want to take, you know, an old, an old Olympian's word for it and you're a hockey person, then take Brent Sutter's word for yeah. it. Yeah, but the other thing too is you don't necessarily, oh, we're over time. We'll take a timeout. Can you stick around for another segment? Absolutely. Okay. Dove Gibson with us, Olympic gold medalist, skeleton racer. We'll take some of your questions, too, when we come back. You're watching the RP Show on Game Plus TV, YouTube Live, and, of course, 24-hour sports radio at rodpeterson.com. Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now. You got to subscribe. Click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed. It is the RP Show live from Great Eagle Resort and Casino here, the gateway to the foothills. Big show here tonight, Kaleo. And by the way, just a few tickets left for the Beach Boys, July 28th at the event center. You just saw it. Catch the West Coast Beach vibes with one of the most influential rock and roll bands of all time. The Beach Boys dance and sing along to the best hits of the iconic band for one night only. July 28th, tickets available at Ticketmaster.ca. And uh, aerial coverage of the RP Show brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating. Find everything you need to know about our services, financing, product information, and more at broncoplumbing.com. For the CFL fans, the longtime voice, the longest-serving play-by-play man in the CFL, right, Mark? Mark Steven is here. He'll be with us next segment, so we'll get our CFL draft recap ready with Mark. From our viewers, we have Duff Gibson with us. We're going to bring him on. Olympic gold 2006 in Turin. From Wayne in Victoria, B.C. says, Hi, Duff. I'm aligned with you when you say you hated the Habs. I vaguely remember <laughs> playing street hockey as a kid and having to quit because it's too dark. So there you go. From Jack Fulton watching in Vulcan, Alberta. Love, Duff. Thank you. And Lee for bringing him on. Great in-depth outlook at youth and sports. I'll be getting the book. Thank you. The Tao of Sports. From John Ohm in Winnipeg. I could listen to Duff all day. Great interview. 
You're just a natural born coach, eh? You must have that. If I could just sit and listen, I'm like him. That's why I said, just, you like doing it? Coaching? Yeah. Um, it's tough. It's tough. And I, I had a sense, well, and you, maybe you're aware that BCS has a, a culture, you know, a bunch of athletes who have uh, signed a petition saying that the culture is toxic and not healthy oh, yeah, and today. so on. Boxing Canada. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that's this. right. That's yeah. right. Well, that's the new one, right? Oh, you're um, talking about bobsled? First? I was, yeah. There's a lot of it going around. Yes. Well, the boxing, I just saw that one today. today. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I at least had a sense that of the people who qualified for the Olympic team, I was the expendable one. So you do your best to try and pump people up. Mm -hmm. But what I would tell you, and something that I wrote about in the book is that people are either motivated, obsessed with it, focused, you know, there are, let me put it this way. There are two kinds of athletes that I coached. One that needed a kick in the pants, that needed motivation, needed to be reminded to do your video studying and to get on the track and walk and think and mentally rehearse. And one that needed you to recommend a book, to, to recommend a movie or something to distract them because they were absolutely obsessed with being the best they could be and they would drive themselves crazy and they needed a mental break. That's the kind of athlete that every coach wants to coach and I don't know how you create that. You try to have conversations and you know, t you, know you, you generate some excitement and some interest and you tell stories maybe but I think people to a, a large extent they're like that or they're a, they're a little bit more like that or they're a little less like that. You're born that way or not? You're kind of, well I don't know if it if it doesn't have to do with exactly what we were just talking about, which was my foundation was playing sport for hours and hours and hours for no reason other than we love to do it. And no one ever changed that for me. And being on the national team for skeleton was like that for me. And I had teammates who were like that also. And we can tell stories about, you know, hopping fences to get into a track after it had closed for the evening but we wanted to walk in the track because the official training was the next day and also stories about people that i couldn't i could it was like pulling teeth to get them to do something similar to that so you either are that way or you aren't and i think your upbringing has something to do with it absolutely tell me about the day you won gold please in turin well it was uh the work was done it's it's I have, I don't know if you know Dr. Greg Uchaz, he's a, a therapist with um, several Olympic teams. He's a friend of Lee's also. And he, he describes back then, you know, from, from an, an external perspective, he was there as a therapist, saying you would never have guessed that we were in the middle of an Olympic final because it was relaxed. It was, you know, the work had been done. The visualization yep. had been done hours and hours and hours of mentally rehearsing exactly how you wanted that to go. And my wife, here's a, uh, a story I share sometimes. My wife flew to Italy on her own with some friends and I didn't want to worry about her at the race, obviously. And I, didn't, I wanted to know that she made it and I didn't have to worry about her. So I met an hour before the race and you know, at corner six and she's crying, she can't contain it. And I'm comforting her because I have an outlet for it. I can visualize, I can warm up, I can mentally rehearse again and again and again exactly how I want it to go and there's no outlet for her. So we had, you know, we had a team environment in which we were very loose, we were very supportive of each other, 
But the, again, the work had been done. There was less stress. You know, after the first heat, we were sitting first, second, and fourth, and that's how we finished. So you'd think that would add to the stress, but again, you, you think and you visualize and you focus, and then the rest, you know, if you've done the work, you can relax. You know, there was stress leading up to it. In the moment, it was, okay, finally, we're here, we're doing it. So it, I had two of the best runs I had in my career, and my teammates, I had one, team, one regret for it was that my very good friend Paul Bohm finished fourth and came out of the groove after the first run and went boom, sharp right turn into the wall. And that's not something you do intentionally. That's you go over a chunk of ice that's broken off or something along those lines. You could, it would be difficult to do that intentionally. And that cost him the difference to, to the bronze medal. Otherwise, we could have swept the podium. And so that, that's my only regret of that whole experience and how, how we were this close to being the first team for Canada that had ever gone one, two, three at an Olympic Games. But it was, you know, you, were, you got the phone call from the prime minister and you got the limousine from the, the mountain village into town. And they, my teammate who won the silver medal, Jeff Payne, was sitting beside me and uh, there were police uh, motorcycle cops that once we got to Torino would drive ahead and stop traffic so we just whipped through red lights and I and I said to him we're it's like we're rock stars today you know it's our 15 minutes of fame and he yeah. said oh I, I'm pretty sure Mick Jagger has to stop for red lights you know so we were more than a rock star more than a rock star for for 15 minutes and we we loved every minute of it well that's why I enjoy these interviews and again our longtime viewers although we have quite a few new ones out here in Alberta but I just remind what your stories remind me of talking to Martin Brodeur with an event that we did together. And I'm like, Marty, tell me about the three Stanley Cups you won. He's like, but I lost two. <laughs> you know a, what I mean? It's that's a characteristic. You know, speaking of the, the Tau of sport, yeah. that's a characteristic of successful people. That the negative sticks with you longer than the positive sticks with you. I say it as they hate to lose more than they love to win. That's right. That's right. Unfortunately, and I mean... That does seem, seem to be a, character, a characteristic. Um, open. What's the tennis player's book was open? It was very candid about was that. Was the name of the book? I'm not sure. Andre Agassi? It was Andre Agassi's okay. book, which was excellent from the mental side of it. And he, he's, he's one of the few elite high performers who said, I hated my sport, but was forced to do it. By so his you dad. Can, by right? his dad. Yeah. So you can force a great performance but then you hate it and you want nothing to do with it at some point. It's interesting what you say about the mental thing. I just wonder how many people that are watching, because you can, you can relate this to your life every day. You don't need to be an Olympic skeleton racer or an NHL goalie. You can still visualize your life every day. You can, that's, yeah. that's, that's another thing. But I just wonder, because I've heard with Michael Phelps, who to this day remains the most decorated American Olympian of all time, right? He visualized right down to the smell of the chlorine Yes. Walking yes. Into, the, into the building. Yep. Right? Yep. And I can, you know, contrast that to a Canadian Olympian swimmer who had won a medal at World Championships and never won one at the Olympic Games and his sports psychologist, and I'm protecting the anonymity of that person, obviously. One of the first things she said when she worked with him originally was, okay, let's break down that perfect performance for you. You're in the starting blocks. Where is your breath? Is it all the way in? Are, do, you, mm -hmm. you know, do you blow it all out? Is it halfway in between? And he didn't know. And the point is, 
How can you, her point was, how can you replicate your greatest performance when you don't know how it happened? And that's the mental aspect of it. There are hours and hours and hours that go into, you know, people who are great performers in, in almost anything, it's, it's not restricted to sport, are extremely self-aware. And that takes time. That takes, you know, you visualize it. You know, the name visualization implies that it's, it's a sight thing, but it's a feeling also. What, you know, when we're doing skeleton, we're visualizing skeleton, we're moving our body and we're imagining the pressure in the certain corner and when that pressure lightens up, when it picks up, when you flatten out coming out of the corner, when you're steering, all these things, it's very kinesthetic, what you would hear, every aspect of it. And so when you say, I hadn't read that about Michael Phelps, but when you say that, the smell of the chlorine, I'm sure that's exactly the case. And I can tell you the equivalent maybe from a, a skeleton sure. perspective. And the point is, because I did it as a broadcaster and I now do it in life as a mental health and recovery coach. And it's when you end up in the moment after having already visualized it, it's like, hey, this is comfortable. I've been here before. Yeah, yeah, you know that's I mean? right. That's the feeling I get. Yeah, and you do it so often, that's your normal. Yeah. You get to the point. But that's also for amateur athletes, that's why the Olympics is such a challenge because it's very difficult to simulate something that happens once you, every four years. And you haven't been in that venue before. And you, That would be tough too. You maybe have, you have, like meaning the lights and the cameras and that sort that of thing. That specific track. That specific track, we, there are rules saying you have to have so many runs ahead of time, but okay. for us, we had, I think, 35 runs, whereas the host, the Italians, would have had potentially hundreds of runs. So there will always be a home track advantage. But in, in my case, you know, there was an Italian who was the number one men's luge athlete. But in, the, uh, in skeleton, the Italian competition wasn't, didn't affect the medals. So we were lucky. It was the best one, you know, may the best one win. There wasn't any home track advantage in that case. I always love when the producer has to come in my ear and tell me that we're out of time because I, keep, <laughs> I didn't even notice. I wasn't paying attention. I'm not <laughs> checking the clock here. A word for the Tao of sport, Duff Gibson. Where can they Amazon, it? Audible. There's an audio version, but those two places. All right. Congratulations on this and uh, appreciate the time. Thank you. My pleasure. We're going to talk Stanley Cup playoffs and a CFL draft recap and maybe a look ahead when we return with Mark Steven. The voice of the Calgary Stampeders. We're live at Great Eagle Resort and Casino on the Game Plus TV network, YouTube Live. And, of course, if you missed any of the show, you can always catch the podcast wherever the best podcasts are found, including Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify. Head to YouTube.com slash The Rod Peterson Show now. You got to subscribe. Click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed. You, you are looking live at Great Eagle Resort and Casino in the foothills of the beautiful Canadian Rockies out here in southern Alberta. By the way, we're brought to you in part by Rockstar Supply Chain Solutions. They specialize in improving your company's performance and bottom line through supply chain management services. Big shout out to Roxanne and Darnell from Rockstar. Big uh, sports fans, great supporters of the show. But it's been a fantastic program. It continues now as we bring in Mark Steven, our longtime friend and the longtime voice of the Calgary Stampeders. And I'm dying to get to the CFL chat with you, Mark. But you came in here ablazing, as you always do, on the Flames win last night, one nothing. The city's rocking. 
Sure it is, and understandably. It was a great game. First home playoff game since 2019. Last year didn't qualify for the playoffs the year before, but obviously they had to play in the bubble in Edmonton. So they had, there was a lot of pent-up excitement for sure. For sure, and one nothing is as razor-thin of a win as you can get but I felt like the Flames dominated the whole game. It seemed like well, a 6-1 game, not 1-0. I, I understand, and I agree with you to a point, but when it stayed one nothing, as long as it did, all it takes is one goofball bounce somewhere, and the game is tied, and then you're going to triple overtime like they did with the Rangers in Pittsburgh. So I was a little nervous. I mean, having said that, I, do, I agree with you. I thought the Flames were in charge, and uh, it was their game, but sometimes crazy things happen and uh, didn't. That's why case. we love it, yeah. Yeah. You're cautioning Flames fans to not get ahead of themselves? Well, yes, and it's, I, I know I get the bad guy there. I'm not trying to uh, pour you know, cold water on everybody, but until this team demonstrates something in the playoffs, you know, you got to be a little bit reserved. I'll just give you one fact. Last time there was a shutout here by a Flame goaltender in the playoffs, Mike Smith, first round 2019 against Colorado. 4 nothing played well. Flames are out in five. Yeah, that was the highlight of the series. That was the peak. The only part of it, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just only cautioning you that this team has some baggage to overcome. And, you know, there were some guys that were part of that run that remain here. So, not saying it's going to happen. Not trying to be a pessimist, more realist. Game two Saturday, uh, Thursday night in the Saddledom. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Mike Smith, um, you know John Lynch very well, the Don Cherry of football. This is what he would say about Mike Smith. He's a great salesman, a great salesman. Why would he be still in the NHL? He's a hell of a salesman. What do you think about Mike Smith up there in Edmonton and the How controversy I, in that series already? Welcome at age 40, you can't figure out, you can't just clear the puck through three guys up the middle. I don't get I it. was shocked. Uh, you know, it led to Los Angeles goal. He's played better of late. I must give him and even Koskinen some credit. That's one of the reasons they're in there. I mean, I think if you sat down and broke it down and looked in that about 25-game stretch that cost Dave Tippett his job, what the goals against average was, it was probably a goal at least higher than what it is right now. So yeah. there, maybe there were other reasons. I'm not trying to uh, get Dave Tippett off the hook, only to point out that uh, the goaltending is much better and has made Jay Woodcroft look better. And listen, maybe Woodcroft was the right guy in that dressing room. I'm not in it. Clearly, they're a different team. Uh, Connor McDavid is doing his part. Now they've got to get the rest of the guys besides Dreisaitl helping them. Our poll question today for Capital Auto Mall Universal Collision Center. Capital has dealerships all across the prairies, including Calgary, Winnipeg. Edmonton and Regina is which of these teams down all ones in the most trouble Tampa Bay Edmonton or Florida who would you that come from Florida wow that they lost yeah yeah Uh, who's in the most trouble I say Tampa's in the most trouble but hmm that implies that Toronto's gonna win the series I'm not prepared to go there, so that's... (laughs) Okay. So I don't know. That's a good question. I think Edmonton will certainly bounce back. Uh, And I don't think Florida's in trouble. It's quite a shock factor, i got to say. So that's a hard, hard question. Yes, it is. Let me contemplate it, and I'll give you my answer at the end. Just a massive, massive game for Tampa in Toronto. Sure it is. Oh, I get it. Yeah, Yeah, if they lose, they're in a lot of trouble. See, I did some digging, um, found out this thing. When the home team wins game one of the best of seven, they win about 75% of the time. So don't underestimate uh, what Toronto did, or for that matter, what the Flames did, too. Yeah, and overall, though, I think the game one winner, Homer Road, goes on to win 61%. Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's a, it, it is a big deal. Yeah. yeah. So. Your recap, please, of the CFL draft. 
Well, it's uh, first of all, it was nice to you know that we're headed for a full season, regular off season. Uh, you know, I was a little surprised how active Edmonton was, but uh, Chris Jones has a plan there. Same thing with Montreal. A little surprised how active they were. Um, were there any great shocks? Uh, I don't know if there were or not, but. Uh, it was just an interesting draft to watch. Uh, it was fun. To, obviously, the big story locally was the Philpot Twins, who uh, went in the first round, but they're not on the same team. So one with the Calgary Stampeders, one with the Montreal Alouettes. And, uh, you know, let's just uh, see how it unfolds over the next little while. Uh, very interesting. And, uh, you know, we'll just see who uh, emerges from the pool. What's well, funny, because obviously you would know Jabari Arthur very well yeah and he was down here and i said could you imagine the phil Potts on on the same team he goes well yeah they are and yeah. like, i meant the cfl, the CFL not yeah. university but it's going to be a fun week one game here calgary montreal jalen to the stamps tyson to the owls and they meet yeah so yes. do you think that because jabari thinks they could start his rookies that they're yeah. that good if it was me and trust me i'm hardly anywhere close to an expert but it just looked like a, what i saw last year they played they could have changed dressing rooms just walked from the stamp dino's room what everybody to the stamp peters yeah. or whoever the uh, visiting team was that week I, I think they were that good that they could have just changed rooms wow and that's last year what is it about them did the way they were the raised obviously uh, all of the above uh, their yeah. dedication their intelligence to football they're they're good people they put in extra work and that so uh i i think being in that environment certainly helps uh they've played at a high level with a good tutor all their lives until now came to a great program at the university of calgary and jabari's a good coach so all of the above played into it and i, I think they're tremendous their dad is corey philpott of course yeah. a former cfl running back and and mark i Tell me what you think about this. Your father, didn't your son just win an award this week? Did I see that yes. on social media? Yes, the most improved player on his team. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> Don't you think maybe Corey thinks it'll be a good thing for his boys to be split up and go to separate training camps on separate teams? Well, for the first time you should mention that because uh, earlier today they had a conference call with the Stampeders player personnel director, uh, Brendan Mahoney. I asked that exact question. Are you worried about them being split up? Mm. In the sense there's a comfort level with both of them, in the sense they might push each other, and he said they asked, brought them both in and asked that exact question. Both of them said it's probably time for us to go our separate ways. Because we all sit here, and I'm just as guilty, call them the Philpots. Was two guys, you know, they're, they're different people. There's a Jalen and there's a Tyson, and while they're of 98% uh, the same, there's differences. It probably is time for each to forge their other path without the other guy. Who is the last local non-offensive lineman star on the Calgary Stampeders? Born and raised Calgarian. Hmm. I Sorry guess, to put you on the spot. Yeah, no, I'm just trying to think. Uh, Probably Anthony Parker. He was a first-round pick. He it was a UFC few years guy. Ago. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's actually technically from Okotoks, but his dad played here. Um, that'd probably be the non-offensive lineman. That'd probably be, uh, you know, Matt Walter had a few seasons here, but he was probably a little short of a star. But, he, you know, he played good for him. Uh, so those would probably be the two guys that would jump off the page right now. Sure. Reason I ask is Jalen Philpott sell some tickets for McMahon, do you think? For oh, I think so. Uh, yeah. I'm sure, yeah. It'd be interesting to see what he does. Yeah, I think so. We got one more segment left. It's overtime, and it's brought to you by Taco Time. And when we come back, we'll turn it over to you, the viewers, with questions for Mark and I as we look ahead. 19 days now to training camp in the uh, to the first game in the CFL. And get, what is it? 
Well, a week today. Days. Yeah, a week today. The rookies are on the field. The fifteenth. It's right. So it's right around the corner. Sure we'll answer is, your yeah. questions next. You're watching on the Game Plus TV network, available on Telus Optic Cable all across Alberta. Channel nine twenty four BC as well. We're live streaming on YouTube and twenty four hours sports radio at rodpeterson.com. Have you subscribed to the Rod Peterson Show YouTube channel yet? Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now. Beautiful Sutina Nation. That's where we are with the RP Show, live from Grey Eagle Resort and Casino. It is the final segment. It is overtime. And uh, it is brought to you by the Four Seasons Sports Palace, your home for the UFC and the National Hockey League. Uh, <laughs> from uh, Mark Stevens with us, the voice of the Stampeders. I just checked the text line. I haven't checked it for a while. Wilf is watching in Steinbach, Manitoba. He writes in and he says, there must be another Sutter to coach the Jets. He's talking about, we're asking who should coach the Jets. How? I mean, I could not believe it that somebody would sit in one dressing room and basically beg them to hire the coach of another team. I couldn't believe that. But it's right. There's lots of Sutters out there. Phone Brian. Phone Brian. I I agree. I saw a few last night in the press box. Yeah. Anyway, that's the Jets' problem. What's what's the story on begging the other team? What what is that? Well, uh, Paul Stastny said, we need a coach like a Sutter. I didn't hear that. Oh, yeah, When yeah. did he say that? After the, the game Sunday? At their wrap-up interviews, yeah. They got a mess in Winnipeg. Let's just lay it on the line there. A big mess, and I don't know how they're going to get out of it, but it's clear there's some big problems there. But, yeah, Stastny's just basically said, we need to be coached hard, a coach that keeps them accountable. Look at Sutter and Calgary. It's bring, you know. Could Daryl run for Sutter, uh, for mayor, and win, or does he have to win a Stanley Cup in this t- to do to win the election as mayor? Oh, I think he could win pretty easily. A, because he's good. B, he wouldn't be going up against the elite candidate, the incumbent. But anyway, it's another story. It's another story, absolutely. Okay, thank you. Rob is watching in Cold Lake, Alberta, regarding what Duff said about uh, multi-sport athletes. He says, different sports or activities develop different skill sets. A lot of hockey players that played lacrosse have very good hand-eye coordination. Soccer is great for bettering your cardio. Absolutely. And he goes on to say about junior coaches that did not translate it to the pro level. He says, an example of a good coach, but strictly a junior coach, was Ernie Punch McLean of the Estevan and New Westminster Bruins. So we're going back a ways there, Mark. Just going to say that is quite a ways. Yeah. Guy had one eye. Yep. But it worked very well. I do love those old-time hockey stories. So Queens I, Arena. Queens Park Arena. Where was that? New West? New West, yeah. Does it still stand? We're going back away, so I don't know. <laughs> they said that New West, because you called some hockey games yeah. back in the day. What yeah. did you call? From New West, yeah. I've been to New West, but the, here with uh, Calgary and uh, different predecessors. Was it the Wranglers, though? Or what? Yeah, Wranglers, yeah. And oh, a few cool. Pats games as a substitute. So Well, Bob Poley said when the Pats bus pulled up to that rink in New Westminster, the bus would still be shaking even after they turned the engine off because they didn't want to go in and play the Bruins. Yeah. That's why they brought in Poli. You know all the stories. <laughs> to straighten uh, as an equalizer. Yeah, and it worked. Um, so to that CFL thing, I promised that we would bring Mark on, and we did have a good uh, draft recap there. Have your thoughts on this season changed at all uh, in terms of how things may play out now that we're closer to the season from the last time we chatted? 
Hasn't well, been a lot of change personnel-wise, yeah. so... No, not really. I just get a collective agreement done. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing the impact of the new rules. I don't think it'll be substantial, but why not? Uh, don't be afraid to tinker and try something. You know, they're not radically altering and tearing up the rule book. Just a few different things, so why not? I mean, uh, offense was off last year. I submit part of the reason was no preseason games and plus a season off. There's a lot of reasons, but to give it a try, why not? I don't see any of these as being uh, material changes to the league at all. There were nine in all, I think. Yeah. I think there were nine. Yeah. Which of them would lead us to believe there would be more scoring? Like starting uh, from the 40 instead of the 35? No. Or I think the, uh, the hash, marks, hash marks, a big one? Yeah. Just create uh, more field, different things. Uh, you know, it's a long throw already from one hash mark to the far sideline. Now it'll be even further. And, you know, defenses have basically used that one sideline as a 13th man in many cases. Uh, you know, I, I probably would do the same thing. But just, just that much more room. These guys fly at top speed, so a few extra yards will make a difference, I think. You know, it's funny. Reggie Bagleton sat in that chair yesterday and talked about, oh, yeah, Edmonton's our top rival, not even close. And... If he says it, I believe it. Uh, we talked about the Elks and the quarterback battle. Um, you obviously know Jason Greger, the Edmonton Sports Talk host, was on here the other day, and he goes, the big talk in Edmonton is we don't have a quarterback. Is that unfair to Nick Arbuckle to say that? Totally. Yeah. How come this guy gets kicked around everywhere? You tell me. This you tell is me. No, tell, tell Ottawa. Tell Toronto. Tell Edmonton. Yeah. Edmonton brought him in and let him rush the wafer at the end of the season when they were going nowhere last year. So, I don't know. I, I just don't understand the whole thing. I know why the Stamps traded because he wanted to be traded because Bo was signing a, another deal here. Is that what it was? Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. That was, just, that was just understandable, that part. But the rest of it, I can't wrap my head around at all. Well, I'll tell you something. You will remember the game. It was three years ago, probably, the... Lions were up with a minute or two to go at McMahon and the Stamps are marching the ball to win it late and they did and once they got down into the red zone I'm like wait a minute that's not 19 yep, that's know. 15 but you almost couldn't tell the difference I agree Who's that good well hey? that's what I that's what I don't understand and you know Ottawa brings him in and they can't wait to get rid of him after paying him and and then Toronto, I didn't. I don't know what was going on there. And then Edmonton wouldn't play him. I've just never seen a guy because I'm with you. He's demonstrated skill and an ability to win, but he gets kicked around, and I, I just don't get it. Well, he's a redhead. Yeah. So do you think that this will be a real chip on his shoulder going into camp? Should be. Of yeah. course, he's getting kicked around like that. What does he have to do? Who are these other guys that are ahead of him on the depth chart? I don't know any of them. Me Taylor Cornelius. Yeah, great. Okay, next. Let's move on. Maybe he'll be the guy. I, I don't yeah. dispute that. But as it stands today, why would anyone there be ahead of him on the depth chart? Him being Arbuckle. And I don't have a reason for that. You know, if somebody beats him, that's the way it goes. I don't understand. Edmonton had the number one overall pick in the draft last night until they traded it away by virtue of being by far the worst team in the CFL last year. I'm right in saying by far, am I not? Uh, Ottawa gave them a great run. <laughs> Ottawa's offense was historically inept last year. You break down the things. It was awful. How do you think they felt about Devlin Duck Hodges pulling the pin a couple weeks before camp? Well, they got Masoli, right? So yeah, probably I'm not too worried about it. I mean, they, they've been extremely aggressive. I'll give them that much in bringing in a lot of people. And uh, maybe they'll be better. They'll have to be. But, uh, you know, you take away Devontae Deadman last year, their returner, who had all those touchdowns. Stud. They didn't score many touchdowns at all. So it was historically a bad offense. I get it. They had quarterback issues. But... You know, offensively, they didn't average a touchdown a game offensively.
Where's your excitement level on one to ten as compared to past years for the um, Stampeder football and CFL coming back? Well, I'm always excited about it, so I guess yeah. nine, just get it going, let's play, and let's wait and see what happens here, and uh, start it up. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a full season, hopefully full stadiums, because some stadiums last year in some provinces were capacity limited. Uh, the CFL has a challenge to get those people back in, and here's hoping they do. What do you think it'll take to fill those stadiums again? Like, we had uh, Matt Kellett in here the other day. You remember Matt, and you called yep. many of his games, and he played early 2000s. He said that was the golden era as far as he was concerned. Full stadiums, right? Yeah. Huge ratings. What would it take to get back there? Can we? Yeah, well, I think you can, but you're going to have to... You know, just do a lot of work, get out there, uh, acknowledge, you know, maybe have to modify stadiums. One thing I've noticed, Saskatchewan does it, Winnipeg does it, is have sort of those congregation sections too that attract people. You kind of walk around in like pill zone and that, that aren't, you know, people sitting down, you know, shoulder yeah. to shoulder Make watching the game. It's a bit of an, an atmosphere as well. That's one thing uh, I like what Edmonton did to slash ticket prices in seats that may not be occupied otherwise. I mean, Maybe it's not exactly full value, but it beats no value. So yeah. that'd be something else. Well, I got to say, over your right shoulder there. Cavalry there. I'm assuming you've been to the yeah. games. Spruce Meadows, yep. I've never seen anything like it. I've never been to a soccer game. Yeah. Are, you, are you a soccer guy at all? Not especially. But, well, but I understand. The game is like secondary. Yeah. To the party, which is what I think the CFL could take a yeah, they got to get some page out, out of, I yeah. think as well. Yeah, Mark, appreciate you coming down as always, man. Uh, Last answer to the question: Who's under the most pressure? Edmonton, because there's been so much negative thought up there that I'm sure you know their minds are starting to wander a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be watching tonight. Thanks, Mark. Okay, thank you. We'll see you tomorrow noon Eastern here on Game Plus Television. You screwed up, Clark. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.